0: Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. Lots to discuss today, so let's dive right in. We talked on yesterday, or last week's show, a couple different shows about the Brittany Griner prisoner swap and how there was quite the criticism from the right wing. And one of the things I said in the initial story about all this was that there really is a lot to consider, a lot of complexities in these negotiations, and it's almost hard to know what things were being weighed and whether or not every little aspect of it happened perfect if you're not in those rooms. But from what we saw, the criticism that was happening, right, from what we knew about this negotiation, I did not understand what the right wing criticism was all about except for kind of dishonesty, trying to get jabs in to political opponents. And so that has been further expanded on from some recent events in the political world that I want to tell you about. First, let me kind of lay the groundwork for anyone who's not caught up on this. So Brittany Griner, WNBA star, got uh, wrongfully detained for having a tiny little amount of CBD or marijuana or something like that, um, some marijuana product. And the uh, Biden administration was able to get her back. Paul Whalen is another US citizen being held wrongfully in Russia, but his charges are much more severe that the Russian government is putting on and um, all these things. And what was able to get negotiated in this moment was, okay, we can get Brittany Griner back. Russia's not being reasonable on Paul Whelan, so we're not able to get him back at this time. It wasn't as the right wing is making out to be because they just hated Paul Whelan and loved Brittany Griner. Not so much. But before we dive into the new elements of this, they're just fascinating. Let's remind ourselves about what this criticism looked like. So at this point, we can assume the obvious. The Biden administration chose Brittany Griner
1: over Paul Whelan the basketball player over the Marine facing 16 years. There was only room for one the lifeboat and the Marine got left behind. Well, why'd they make that choice? Well, you should know that Whalen is a Trump voter and he made the mistake of saying so on social media. He's paying the price for that now. Brittany Griner is not. She's got very different politics. Brittany Griner despises the United States. She's been very vocal about that.
0: Okay, and then that's another element. They have obsessed over her not agreeing with them politically. and saying that, I guess, her criticizing her own country, a place where that's supposed to be something we have the right to do, is a reason why she shouldn't be brought home or something? I don't know. Very strange. But uh, here's another example of this right-wing criticism. Take a look at the other things that he is going against him in the court of public opinion here. Paul
2: Whalen. He's straight, he's white, and he's a man. And also, this is key, he's not famous. That's bad for him. I mean, just how vile, trying
0: to make it seem that biden chose not to bring paul whalen back as if he had the choice which we know now he didn't it's russia that's being irrational they're the reason why paul whalen is not coming back but is because paul whalen is a straight white male really really that's what you're going to go with come on okay well here's the new element of it people who used to work in the trump administration have come out and revealed that the Trump administration actually had an option to get Paul Whelan back that they weren't interested in and that option was Victor Boot for Paul Whelan and maybe some other variables involved but there was actually a better chance at that moment and they weren't interested and so for people who didn't criticize that at the time or won't even criticize that now to come out and pretend Biden's evil for at least getting one American back when Russia wasn't allowing the other is strange. So here's this being discussed uh, with a former Trump administration official, uh, Fiona Hill, on face of the nation.
2: former colleague, John Bolton, I think your former boss, right, on the National Security Council, um, told one of my colleagues at CBS that the possibility of a boot for whalen trade existed back then, and it wasn't made for very good reasons, having to deal with Victor Boot. Do you recall a potential prisoner swap with Russia? Yes, I do recall that that was raised many
3: times by the Russians that they wanted Victor Boot. And at the time, there was also the um, drug smuggler uh, Yaroshenko, who was ultimately swapped uh, for Trevor Reed, the other um, former Marine.
0: Okay. Um, So I'm listening. Is anyone going to come out and say Trump's also evil for that when actually you would have to say he's more evil when he actually had a chance, whereas Biden at this point is not negotiating with the Russian side who's interested in actually giving reasonable conditions. And then here's another former Trump advisor saying that ultimately this was the correct decision and the Biden administration is definitely likely working to get Paul Oylin back as well. Now,
1: first of all I'd just say congratulations to uh, to Roger Carstens who's just on here in the Biden administration for the good work they did. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this is very easy. The American people think it's you know it's an either or they, they had a choice. They don't have a choice. You have to negotiate with P- the Russians. So think about Putin sitting across the table, and, and, and Vladimir Putin doesn't give you a choice. He said, "You can have this, or you can have nothing." So it wasn't you could have Paul Whelan. Listen, we'd love to have Paul Whelan home. Um, I know his family would. I know Roger carson's would. I know the Biden administration would like to have Paul Whelan home, mm-hmm. and they're going to get him home. But at this point in time, they just couldn't get it done, and and, and it's very difficult to do. It's not it's not simply you know we, we don't want Vicky,
0: uh, we don't want uh, Brittany right now. We want Paul.
1: That's not that wasn't even
0: on the table. Right. Um which is exactly what we were talking about last week. And then finally, Paul Whelan's brother coming out and saying that the Trump administration wasn't either as able or as interested in pursuing this type of trade, whereas the Biden administration is much more engaged.
4: It's really been an evolution. And I think the first two years, um, uh, partly I think the, the Trump administration was not prepared to or not interested in working on wrongful detention cases. Uh, and partly the the tools didn't exist during those first two years of Paul's detention. We're starting to see that change. The Biden administration is much more engaged in wrongful detentions. Uh, and the and the executive order that President Biden passed la- or signed last year, plus the Levinson Act have given the government more tools uh, to help wrongful detainee families, but also to try to start to punish the uh, the nations who are doing this. So
0: yep. Um, so I mean, as we talked about initially last week with this, It's all very complex. These types of negotiations are so multifaceted, but to come out and pretend that this was a matter of Biden choosing Brittany Griner because he hates the U.S. Marine and loves the WNBA star and all of these things is just deeply dishonest. And that absolutely needs to be called out. Nuclear fusion has had A huge breakthrough and I know this is a political show so you might be asking why we're talking about this because this has massive political ramifications in the world of kind of green energy and how we're going to fight climate change and so I know there's a division of sorts within the pro uh, response to climate change the environmentally concerned individuals uh, community will say on the issue of nuclear energy and I think it needs to be said that we should hundred percent be pursuing nuclear energy specifically if we can advance the nuclear fusion technology that's gonna make our life a whole lot easier when it comes to producing energy in a clean way so to kind of give you the non-scientist uh, summary of what's going on here you probably know but just for anyone nuclear fission is the splitting of atoms and nuclear fusion is the fusing of atoms Put together and that fusion creates a whole lot of energy but doesn't create in the same way that nuclear fission does the nuclear waste which is a huge concern with nuclear fission so right now we do have fission, we don't have fusion but there's a huge breakthrough on that which is exciting and could as i said before make our lives a lot easier here from cnn Uh, For the first time ever, U.S. scientists at the National Ignition Facility at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California successfully produced a nuclear fusion reaction resulting in a net energy gain, a source familiar with the project confirmed to CNN. The U.S. Department of Energy is expected to officially announce the breakthrough Tuesday. The result of the experiment would be a massive step in a decades-long quest to unleash an infinite source of clean energy that could help end dependence on fossil fuels. Researchers for decades have attempted to recreate nuclear fusion, replicating the fusion that powers the sun. And that's the phrase that kind of gets circulated that's so exciting is infinite source of clean energy. It's not to say the rolling out of this, the regulation of this, the safety concerns won't be complex and this is just easy walk forever you know but it is to say that the struggle we're having now with coming up with enough energy or projecting out how we could come up with enough energy in a clean way is gonna get less of a struggle if nuclear fusion becomes more available and popularized and just scientifically um, something we're capable of which it looks like in a way we're getting there and that's awesome so here's this being discussed um, on CNN,
1: This fusion thing that people have been, it's been so hard to achieve and how it could change the game for the climate crisis. Yes. This is the holy grail of energy. Imagine uh, a glass of water fueling your house for hundreds of years with no waste, cheaply, renewably. Uh, this is what they've said is just a decade away and always will be, is the joke about oh. nuclear fusion. Fission uh, that we are familiar with splits atoms and creates all the nuclear waste that we know about. Fusion jams them together by basically creating a star in a box. You're creating the power of the sun. uh, And you're using uh, hydrogen atoms, water, H2O, right? And smashing them together. And up until now, the, the conventional way to do this was to use these massive magnets, magnets that are big enough literally to lift an aircraft carrier. Wow. But the Lawrence Livermore uh, laboratory, they decided to use lasers, and so they're heating up this, this hydrogen plasma, making it so hot that the reaction creates more energy than you put in. And so this could be a major breakthrough, Secretary Granholm expected to uh, announce tomorrow.
0: That is huge. Uh, so I'm gonna be interested to hear, let me know in the comments where you guys stand on all this, the excitement level, the interest level, um, because of course I can already predict the Title of Who Who Knows How We'll Actually Title It, but A Breakthrough on Nuclear Fusion, Something or Another, Isn't Going to Grab People Like Some Other Things, But It Actually Has More of an Effect on the World Than Much Else. I Mean This Is A Way We Could Genuinely Save Ourselves From Many Of The Ramifications Of Climate Change By Slowing It um, Significantly And Not Having To Worry About where do we get the, the resources and the technology and all of that in the same way that we do with other, of course, fossil fuels, but then also even a lot of green energy alternatives have some logistical struggle. Now that's going to be a thing with fusion, but at least we know there really is an infinite amount of energy that can be produced if we could effectively master nuclear fusion, which is unbelievably exciting. Carrie Lake has been talking about for a while, the big lawsuit she's bringing on to challenge the horrible election process that she has yet to prove why it's horrible but she's finally actually filed the lawsuit and it is a mess and so we'll discuss that in a second it definitely is not at all the uh, groundbreaking and demolishing story that she would have (laughs) hoped with the election being horrible because as we know those claims aren't just not true and they've built a rep- uh, reputation, the Kerry Lakes, the Trumps, that when they make these types of claims, we can know pretty much that they're likely without merit. But here's this being reported on ABC and then we'll dive into some more specific aspects of it. After long refusing to commit to accepting the results of her race, if she lost, Republican Carrie Lake on Friday filed the legal challenge she's been threatening in the aftermath of losing the Arizona governor's race. A civil complaint was filed Friday. Uh, With all of these individuals involved in the state government. There are multiple falsehoods Can you imagine guys and distorted assertions included in the lawsuit that echo the failed legal challenges brought by uh, former president? Donald Trump's team to overturn The 2020 election the lawsuit seeks extraordinary unprecedented and likely unlawful relief of fully overturning the state's election and certifying her as the winner instead of (laughs) Hobbs. so it demands that either you can make Kerry Lake the governor in a response to this lawsuit that has no evidence, or you can uh, do a new election. And that's kind of the set of options that have become pretty common on the side of the Trumpsters and the MAGA people. They'll always say after they lose, okay, either the way that you make this right is you just declare me the winner, even though I lost, or you uh, do a whole new election. And if that one doesn't go my way, then I'll keep doing this and we'll be in a cycle forever. Well, In this lawsuit, there were so many wild parts of it. One of them, as Yahoo News reports, quote, the eyes of the country are on Arizona. The lawsuit begins, says Yahoo News, quote, the results of that poll are stunning. 72%, this is in the lawsuit, 72% of likely voters said they agree with Lake's statement, including 45% who strongly agree. So they cited some poll saying that people agree with Lake's claims. K, who cares? How does that connect to the validity of the evidence you're uh, supposed to be presenting? And then as this article continues speaking of trying to undermine democracy lake's lawsuit claims that quote hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots infected the election in maricopa county and that thousands of republican voters were disenfranchised due to long lines on election day equipment was quote hacked and printer failures were intentional misconduct intended to deny kerry lake her crown Uh, never does and that's you can see if you're watching today and not listening that this is intertwining quotes from the actual lawsuit and the op-ed that I'm reading from. Um, But as it highlights, never does her lawsuit acknowledge that voters affected could simply drop their untabulated ballots in a secure box to be counted later. So the one bit, and I'm kind of trying to race through this so we can understand it all quickly. uh, The one real thing that they can point to is that there was issues with the tabulator machines on election day that were resolved. And what they don't note when they talk about that is, the voters didn't get disenfranchised. They learned, okay, the tabulator might be broken. Just put your ballot in this box. And then once we get the tabulators fixed, which they did on Election Day, we'll put them through and all will be well. And that's what happened. And no one was disenfranchised. And that's why there is no claim uh, to be made here continuing meanwhile the lawsuit claims quote tens of thousands of early ballots with mismatched signatures were counted a fact that lake and her lawyers know despite not having a single one to offer as evidence of the county's diabolical plot if tens of thousands of early ballots had mismatched signatures they could present at least one which they didn't and that's how you understand how silly this is and uh the last element of this I'll read. The rest of their allegations are based on observations by roving attorneys, poll observers and workers, partisan experts, and one unnamed whistleblower who claims to have seen third party workers slipping their family members ballots into the pile after the election was over. So that's the other element. If you have uh, built up an audience of people who believe your claims, then you can get some of them to come out and say I saw something very fishy when I was in line and we saw the other day she was reading from an affidavit or just some statement that someone made uh who felt like he was disenfranchised and she's reading it all seriously you know I showed up after the polls had closed and they didn't let me vote (laughs) yeah I would hope so what are we talking about well the last element that was so funny of this whole kind of lawsuit debacle was apparently she wasn't able to get some of the normal republican lawyers who deal with these types of election lawsuits because they looked at probably the preliminary evidence and said what are you talking about or the lack thereof i should say and uh so instead she got people kind of apparently who were also involved in the cyber ninjas Arizona audit. If you remember that after the 2020 election, there's so much background if you haven't heard all this, but after the 2020 election, Trump was claiming Arizona was fraudulent. So then they got very pro Trump individuals, a part of the cyber ninja group to do an audit. And the funniest part about this was as NBC writes, rather than finding that Trump defeated president Joe Biden in the competitive swing states, most populous county. And again, this is a pro Trump group. Um, Cyber Ninjas tallied 99 additional votes for Biden and 261 fewer votes for Trump than previously counted. So there were so many issues with this Cyber Ninjas audit, as you can probably imagine just by the name of it. But even they, I don't know if it's because they were bad at counting or because this is actually what they found. that Biden won by more, (laughs) Trump lost by more, which is hilarious when you're going in there trying to prove Trump's claims of election fraud. Absolutely wild. And finally, here is the logic of Carrie Lake. She put out on uh, Twitter or somewhere, it's all rigged like pro wrestling. If you think Carrie Lake, Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker lost without a rigged election, (laughs) you're an idiot. And then it's quoting Wayne Root, I guess. Really? Is it really idiotic to assume, setting aside Carrie Lake and whoever else she listed there, is it dumb to assume Herschel Walker would lose? Come on, don't give me that. I want to look at Carrie Lake uh, and an interview she did with Steve Bannon. She appears a lot with Steve Bannon, which is probably one of the reasons that she lost, because Steve Bannon is such a radical individual, not Someone the general public is comfortable with but that was her buddy in the campaign and definitely during the post campaign It was all stolen era um, Listen to the first clip. I want to show you from this interview. That's
2: just so sad the way that they think the receipts to show that she was Legitimate she would come forth and and answer all this all they're doing is obfuscating the reason is They ain't got the receipts
0: right so did you hear that the reason that this is all suspicious is because katie hobbs as he begins i think it cut off a little bit let me play this one more time if she had the receipts to show that she was legitimate and then he said she should bring them forward wait the election is the proof that she was a we have to bring you receipts for why the claims you're making aren't true when the claims you're making are completely without evidence? How do we even how do I prove that negative? I don't understand. She has to show receipts that she won. She has them. It's called the election process. You have to bring the receipts claiming that for some reason that election process didn't work, uh, which you have not done. Here's another moment from this interview. If
5: they think they can continue to steal and rig elections,
0: they are messing with the wrong
5: people because if we don't stand up right now, Steve, and fight for this at this moment, I know people are tired but this is the moment we need to get into the fight know. Oh, because if we if at, let them rig yeah. another election, it's game over. It's the country's gone.
0: It's gone guys. That's one of the things that Trump always said. And it's why, um, yeah, I had someone ask me, why are you still talking about Kerry Lake? And it's because just like we saw in between Trump losing and him getting out of office with these election deniers, there's a dangerous period in between those two, uh, plot points on the timeline where they continue to tell their audience that maybe I have a chance of becoming governor and I lost only because it was stolen and you're the only one that can prevent this steal from going forward so get ready to fight we have to be in this fight and as I'll always say usually saying the word fight in a political context is fine fight for what you care about fight for universal health care whenever you're talking to an audience that has previously taken that a little bit too literally, a lot bit too literally, and you're setting up a set of variables that really logically can only lead to that. How else would an average citizen prevent the mythical stealing of an election that you haven't proved, but in their uh, minds, I guess, has actually happened? Well, the only example they ever saw of it getting tried was preventing the certification. Um, on January 6th, which was violent. Now the certification has happened. So what are, what are you even, what do you mean fight? What are they supposed to do? And that's when you start seeing people take it literally, which is really scary. Here's, we've gone over a couple appearances or a couple moments from this appearance before, but here's one that I haven't yet played from her um, on some show she did recently where she gets called by the caller who calls in. Wow. Called, called, called. Uh, Governor and very much likes it even though she's very much not the governor of anything
5: let's pull in a quick caller about uh, the elections do we have a caller on the line
0: yeah you do hello governor
5: hi hello thank you for governor- joining us
2: Yeah, hi governor lake
5: um they <laughs> hello would not,
2: they would not have done what they did unless they had an escape plan they know what you're going to file they know what judge it's going to have they're going to try to all right and then
0: whatever the heck's going on there afterwards. So it's a little sad, it's a lot sad. Can you imagine, imagine if you applied for a job and um, or you, you're working on your doctorate, let's say, and you fail the final test, whatever it is, I don't know, is <laughs> the final step of becoming a doctor. And then you ask all your friends to call you doctor, even though you—oh no! Even though you hadn't actually done the thing that would have made you a doctor. Mm. No, 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 no. Call her. She's not governor unless she wins, and she didn't. I want to talk about an interview. I'm sorry, guys. I'm subjecting you to so much Carrie Lake, but this is just wild, and I had to talk about it. That Carrie Lake did with—you guessed it—the My Pillow guy. And I don't think you could get two more wacky, bonkers people, not in the same room, but you know, together, than Mike Lundell, and My Pillow Guy, and Carrie Lake, the, um, as I called her on a previous segment, America's Fascist Stepmother. <laughs> you just can't get any more uh, bonkers. And so here is this appearance that they did with one another. Very strange.
5: Let me ask you a question. I do know you and you are one of the most genuine, honest, kind people. People absolutely love you. And you are an honest person. Speak for
0: yourself, Carrie. So before it continues, let me kind of set up the discussion they're going to have in the segment relates to Republicans now feeling like they should give up on the mail-in voting's fraudulent claims and just lean into encouraging the voters to vote in legal ways, completely legitimate ways, but convenient ways. And so if you can't show up on election day, try to find a time early voting. Or if you're someone who wants to do it this way, mail-in vote, you know, or uh, drop off a ballot at a ballot drop box. However you can vote, vote. And some Republicans are thinking, we've covered this, we should shift our narrative because for no reason just coming out and saying all these things are fraudulent when they're not just hurts us. It makes it harder for our voters to vote, so we might as well encourage them to make it happen however they can. Well, Carrie Lake and Mike Lindell do not like that idea because God forbid our democracy is uh, more convenient to participate in.
5: So a lot of the Republicans, and we don't have a lot of time so answer this quickly, are suggesting that we start Uh, ballot chasing and acting like the Democrats. I'm for reforming our elections, but in the meantime, how do we start winning again until we can get honest people in to reform our elections? Do you think we should ballot chase?
1: That would be the worst thing. That's exactly the opposite of what you should do. A hundred percent opposite. Your race in the primaries prove it. You have to, we need same day voting paper ballots, hand counted. It's been proven right. in every other country that has them. And if they start doing that, then they're falling right into the the trap of the uniparty. That's the uniparty okay. trap. Anyone that says that is horrific if they would say something like that.
5: I have a problem with it too, Mike. We have great policies, great candidates. The left keeps rolling out people who are practically brain dead and they're criminals. We've got all sorts of issues. They've got bad backgrounds. We have to reform our elections or our country will falter and we'll never get it back. Mike, thank you for joining us. Uh, It's just great to see you and I wish you all the best.
0: So this is the battle that's going on within the Republican Party. Of course, Mike Lindell is running to be RNC chair, a very powerful person within the Republican Party. I don't think he'll prevail on that front, but it does represent the Trump, hardcore Trump, MAGA uh, election denier group versus the not even moderate, But just we're done with Trump wing of the Republican Party, the kind of we really want DeSantis part of the Republican Party, who is realizing even if they have no principles, it's not because they, out of a set of principles, don't think election denying is good, but instead is just strategic and thinking clearly whatever Trump brings to the Republican Party is hurting us. And the midterms showed that 20 20 showed that even 2018 showed that and so we need to dump that make the Republican Party something different and separate from Trump and the most radical part of our party doesn't help us but the radical part of the party still exists and still has a lot of supporters behind them and so it's a huge conflict for the Republican Party and that makes itself known in a bunch of different ways but one of them is this kind of how do we handle our election processes going forward now that we haven't done as well as we expected to in a number of elections at this point well maybe we should stop telling voters to to not vote in a lot of the ways that they have available to them because much of the Republican Party's message under Trump has been only election day voting is okay well if you tell all of your voters that they have one day kind of a 12-hour period or something that they can vote or what is it 10, nine? whatever the amount of hours in one day that the polls will be open, that's going to make it a lot tougher for them. As I'll kind of always list off, you could get sick, you could have a family crisis, you could have an important thing at work, and you just can't make it to the polls. So you might as well say, listen, however you can do it legitimately, legally, fairly, make it happen. Get your voice heard in our democracy. And that does seem to be a better strategy. And so this is kind of the microcosm, this debate over the ways in which they should encourage their voters to vote of the macrocosm which is this battle within the Republican Party between the more radical ones who are still popular are not giving up but are taking down the party with them and the rest of the party which is so fascinating to watch I have some clips of Marjorie Taylor Greene at this young Republicans leadership something or another that are so vile and disturbing that I didn't even want to show them to you. No, I did. Um, But I doubted if it was even moral for me to let you watch this with your very own eyes. (laughs) But I'm going to. And the first one is so scary. She says, if she and Steve Bannon had planned and organized January 6th, they would have won. They would have won as in you would have, succeeded in overthrowing democracy and that would have been what a good th- what what is being said here you try to figure it out
6: i come to washington i swear in on january 3rd i get accused of giving insurrection tours which i thought was hilarious because i couldn't even find the bathroom in the Capitol. A true story
0: i didn't hear the response there that she was probably hoping for <laughs> then
6: january 6th happens and next thing you know i organize. the with Steve Bannon here. And I gotta tell you something, if Steve Bannon and I had organized that, we would have won.
5: Wow.
6: Not to mention it would have been armed. Wow.
0: Did you did the So <laughs> openly in the United States, House of Representative members saying If I was the one who planned an insurrection, I would have succeeded in overthrowing the government and I would have made sure everyone had guns. Did you hear? She said, I know it was hard to hear because it's kind of an iPhone clip, but she says, uh, this isn't word for word, but we would have won was one of the parts. And then also not to mention, she says we would have been armed. We would have been armed. What are you, what are you saying there? I don't, I mean, I do know what you're saying, but it's wild that she would feel comfortable admitting to the fact that, number one, we is the way she framed it, we would have won. Like, the side that was attempting to do what they did was my side, which we know that, but she likes to pretend, oh, they're just radicals and maybe they're Antifa, and we would have won because I would have made sure, instead of just storming and getting eventually, uh, you know, forced to leave and no politician actually being killed, we would have done better. We would have actually hung Mike Pence, like the chanters were chanting. It's insane. And then she says, Alex Jones was right about something.
6: I want you all to know something, Alex Jones was right. This is an information (laughs) war. And we're losing, we are losing.
0: So he's right about it being an info- information war which she says they're losing the reason you're losing is because your information is incorrect <laughs> that's why one uh, you know set batch of information is correct you happen to be holding the incorrect um, batch that's why you're losing another moment here she's quite proud of the fact that she does not want to support or has not supported ukraine's effort in protecting themselves
6: new york that means a lot to you since 9 11 over one million americans have died of drug overdose
0: over and time and time again whenever democrat try to put forward legislation that would invest in the proper resources programs to help people with drug addiction it's republicans largely standing against that
6: exactly. one million Now I have the honor to stand before you and tell you I have not voted for a single penny to go to the war for Ukraine, not one penny.
0: And then they cheer, "Yay!" Let them suffer. I don't. I don't know. You can debate about how much you feel we should be supporting. I happen to think that we should have given all that we have and should continue to give a lot because of the deep and profound ramifications we've discussed previously but she's saying zero nothing which is pretty uh unfortunate and then finally she has just such an incorrect take on school shootings
6: young people usually young white men will pick up a gun and shoot at their schools How did these things come to be here in the United States of America? I want you to know it grieves my heart. I'm a mom. I've got three kids. My kids are adults, and I just can't understand how children are being attacked today in America. In our schools, where it used to be the school teacher was the most trusted person for every parent.
0: And this is where it gets wild. So she starts talking about... After outlining the sadness of school shootings, that the blame is cast on
6: leave their child with. Now it's the school teachers who are grooming kids. Think about that. They're grooming children to hate.
0: They're grooming children to hate. So she's saying. It's not the fact that the United States has incredibly lax gun laws. It's not even what they normally put forward, which I agree is one of the variables, which is mental health, and that needs to be addressed. And again, as I said previously, we've tried to invest in the Democratic Party in mental health programs, and it's the Republican Party who blocked it. But uh, I completely lost my train of thought now. (laughs) That was too much energy, spent saying that. Um, But she doesn't even say that. The blame should go on school teachers in her mind, that they're, quote, grooming our children to hate, it is completely vile because that is continuing to do what we've seen much of the conservative movement these days, not all, but a lot of it uh, do, which is demonize teachers, educators who already aren't given the amount of resources, pay, and treatment that they should, the quality of treatment that they should. But now the conservative movement is trying to make that life even more difficult and unappreciated, which is so, so enraging. We're gonna talk a little bit more about Vicki Hartzler, unfortunately, but interesting element of this. So if you missed the initial coverage of it, Vicki Hartzler is this GOP representative who went on the house floor during the debate portion of the Respect for Marriage Act and got choked up by the very idea of protecting LGBTQ people's rights, meaning she didn't want it to happen. And the idea of it happening was so offensive and so saddening to her that she got choked up. And it was just a deeply cringy and just unfortunate moment that this is the state of our politics. But now, her nephew's speaking out against her. So, very interesting. Before we dive into his statements, let's remind ourselves about this. I honestly cannot subject my own ears to hearing her do this one more time. So, I'm gonna take my earpiece out, y'all <laughs> enjoy.
5: I hope and pray that my colleagues will find the courage to join me in opposing this misguided and this dangerous bill. And I yield back.
0: I should have done the same. Yeah. <sighs> I was preparing for the show today and pulled it up, trying to find, okay, where do I start this and listen to it? And just got... Uh, the cringiest physical reaction um, I could possibly imagine. Well, here is a TikTok that Andrew Hartzler, her nephew, put out responding to this.
2: It's more like you want the power to force your religious beliefs onto everyone else. And because you don't have that power, you feel like you're being silenced, but you're not. You're just gonna have to learn to coexist with all of us.
0: Absolutely. And then we're gonna get to part of this interview he did with CNN after that clip went viral. But before we do, it's a great point he's highlighting that why is it hard to understand that you can have your marriage the way that you want? You don't ever have to get into a same-sex marriage if you don't want to. That's not what we're proposing. It seems to be that some people within the Republican movement talk about the Respect for Marriage Act, like it's forcing them to be in a same-sex marriage. No just live your life do your thing we'll do ours okay and because the government is secular because the government is not gonna favor one set of religious views over another we can do that and we can respect one another's uh, points of view slash identities etc very hard to understand as he highlighted there for many within the uh, anti LGBTQ right we'll say Well, here's part of the interview he did later on with CNN. Um,
2: They have like real consequences for young people like me. Like when I was at Oral Roberts University, I was subjected to conversion therapy like practices and that was totally legal because of the policies that my aunt has helped put into place. Um, So after I graduated, I partnered with the Religious Exemption Accountability Project and together with 40 other students from institutions across the country we are advocating for all students at religious universities to receive equal protections
5: I'm curious
0: very good so I mean raising the point that my aunt's the policies that my aunt supports have been things I've experienced in such a negative way in school he was saying subjected to gay conver- uh, conversion therapy which is such a backwards and traumatic process and that is why he feels inclined to fight for the rights of LGBTQ people and in that process I know I said that in such we were LGBTQ people and in the process standing against people like his aunt which I can't imagine how that feels having to do that to a family member meaning those out in the world who are fighting against the progress that you're trying to make and one of them is your aunt brutal but uh good job to andrew hartzler there we talked previously about how kirsten cinema has left the democratic party and is now an independent well bernie sanders was asked about this in an interview with cnn uh dana bash and kind of talked about it initially i'm going to skip through that part of the interview but then one of the parts of it that I found interesting was he gets asked will you support the Democratic Party now that she's an independent putting up a challenger against her who from Bernie Sanders perspective is a better candidate but, uh, more progressive etc and working hard to defeat her in her upcoming reelection here's his response take a look
5: at first you, know, you were a very important figure on the campaign trail for progressives ahead of the midterms as you normally are I'm sure you're going to be campaigning for candidates in 2024. The outgoing Arizona Democratic Party official, uh, one of them says that he expects Democrats will run their own candidate against her. Is that a good idea? Would you support a Democratic opponent against Senator Sinema? I I don't.
6: I, I support progressive candidates all over this country, people who have the guts to take on powerful special interests. I don't know what's going to be happening in Arizona. We'll see. Who they nominate, but certainly that's
1: something I will take a hard look at.
6: Does she have the guts to take on powerful special interests?
1: No, she doesn't. She is a corporate Democrat uh, who has, in fact, along with Senator
0: Manchin, sabotaged enormously important legislation. I want to talk. Absolutely. So Bernie Sanders is one of the rare Democrats, rare senators who will speak out and be clear in the way that he is about people. Such as Christian uh, cinema and Joe Manchin, because that is how you make clear to the American people who's standing in the way of policies that would benefit their lives significantly. So it has to constantly, uh, constantly be made clear that listen, all of these policies that build back better initially put forward that were really popular and would have helped a lot of Americans were, of course, not supported by Republicans, but also weren't supported by Kirsten Cinema, and Joe Manchin and those two were the reason uh, within the Democratic Party that these incredible policies weren't able to get passed and so it's not this matter the way you'll hear it on in the media a lot of is it progressive versus centrist or this or that look at the policy and think is this something that would work that would be effective and would benefit the lives of Americans and then you wanna make sure you specify working Americans because those at the very top don't really need much help, right? Uh, From the perspective of the Democratic Party. And if those policies are absolutely going to help the lives of working people and then two Democratic senators stand against it, then they need to be called out for that. And that's what Bernie Sanders does better than most, because it feels a little bit, oh, no, I'm going against my own team for a lot of those in the Democratic Party. But you got to step up and make clear. So. The average American who's not necessarily tuning into every little uh, political story knows who's really to blame for uh, not getting more help. You guys have to see this. I came across an interview that was done with these two Trump supporters, and they said the quiet part out loud. They said the belief and ambition of many within the Republican Trump right who Uh, They said the part that many people won't actually admit to, which is, we just want a theocracy. And so you'll hear they just lean in, in what I'm about to show you, to the belief that I don't like separation of church and state. That's nonsense. Great job to Michael Shore, who's doing the interview of The Young Turks. And I want to discuss, this is not just about these two Trump supporters, this is a larger discussion that must be had, but first, take a look at this.
4: Should be a Christian country.
3: Oh, I do. I do. We were founded on God, and Democrats are taking them away, taking him out of the school. How about
4: reconciling separation of church and state, which we were founded on?
3: I don't think that's right. I do not think that's right. They should.
0: It's absolutely right. We were founded on freedom of religion, and the way you protect that is separating church and state.
3: I never did that. Why would you take something as beautiful is America that we founded God on we founded America on God why would you try to destroy that and take it out of the schools and try to teach our children well, something that that's
4: what I mean about separation of church and state that is
3: shouldn't be though God should be we should be able to say in Jesus name you know and I I don't care what what religion you are because if we unite and come together as all in one, they'll find the true God.
4: You know, let's say I'm a Jewish dad and I send a Jewish, my Jewish daughter to school and she's made to pray to somebody else's God. Is that, do you see that as constitutional?
3: If I was the father and I didn't want her to pray to somebody else's God, I would take her out of that school.
4: But what if it's a public school?
3: That would take her out of the public school.
4: And then what are his options? Homeschool. So, so, so if you-
0: So every non-Christian should have to go to, uh, or should be homeschooled? Our public schools shouldn't be inclusive of people of all different religions?
4: Don't believe in Jesus, homeschooling is probably better.
3: It's better, why don't people believe in Jesus?
2: You come to this country-
0: Okay, and then it cuts to someone else. So. Again, it's horrifying to see anyone believing that, but it's representative of a larger thing. And what I mean by that is here's Lauren Boebert, and these are the types of people that are perpetuating the ideas that then individuals on the ground, Trump supporters are buying into. Here's her saying, I don't don't like any of that separation of church and state junk.
6: So many overreaching regulations in our nation is because the church complied. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it. And I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk. That's not in the constitution. It was in a stinking letter and it means nothing like what they say it does. Uh,
0: I mean, what's even wild too about that is you're wrong, of course. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The intention of that is to protect the rights of religious people and any different religion and non-religious people. You can have the sets of religious beliefs or the like thereof that you choose and not have your life hindered because of it. And if you were to govern with one religion as the driving force, you're going to hinder people's freedom in that way and it's crazy to see the shift where it used to be they would argue that what they were doing was not violating separation of church and state now they're just throwing that in the garbage and saying i just hate separation of church and state which is so scary and so from the top down you have actual people who are in power representatives we've seen countless examples but i give you one there with lauren bober all the way down to on the ground trump supporters that you saw at the beginning who are just completely giving up and going against such a crucial part of what makes America, America. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. We'll see you tomorrow.